Hello, and welcome back to the Connect to You podcast, where we talk about health, life, and feelings to connect to a better you. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to create a training schedule for yourself. And Ty and I have different experiences in regards to this type of stuff. So you'll get a viewpoint from me and even from my past on how I would get a training schedule and how it differs to me now doing up a training schedule. And then for Ty, his experiences and how he sets up training schedule as well. Yeah, so Marcus and I both have different kind of different goals when it comes to planning a workout schedule. I know that mine in particular is almost always endurance based as compared to maybe more of like a strength based I'm not really looking to change my body composition that much. Mine is almost exclusively training for obstacle course race events. So I just want to be able to make it through alive. Yeah, and for me, it's aesthetic based, but it's also uh, athletic based because I do play volleyball. I play badminton. I still want to be able to play sports to the best of my ability. And to do that, I can't put on like crazy amounts of muscle and only do like powerlifting moves and things like that. Like I still have to do other moves and I have to do HIIT workouts to build up my endurance. And I also have to do other strength training moves to build up my muscles in regards to like my legs and my arms and upper body and core and everything like that. So So you're not spending every day of the week on arms day then, hey? No, no, I do spend some time on legs. I do admit, though, I don't like it. Uh, Legs are tough. It's never the fun workout, that's for sure. No, and I don't mind doing some leg movements, but there's other leg movements that you have to throw in your program because it just makes sense, but I don't want to do them. Man, for me, that is uh, squats. It's like, I know they're one of the most effective workouts, I just hate doing them every single time. And yeah, I imagine leg workouts really suck for you. Your house has a lot of stairs. Nothing worse than doing stairs the morning after a leg day and you just feel like a crippled person. Yeah, you have to hold on to the railing pretty tight sometimes. I found there would be some days where I'd do a leg workout, then I'd go play volleyball or badminton. And then the next day, I could barely move out of my bed to start with. And then... As soon as I see those stairs, I just cringe because I know I need to go downstairs at some point to get water, get food. And honestly, it sometimes takes me about four hours just to get into the mood to do that and to really give myself momentum to almost slip down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's always the going down that seems so much worse, hey? So when it comes to a leg day, what do you typically do for a leg day? Like, what do you find are some really effective exercises that really get that burn the next day? Lunges are something that I like to do, so weighted lunges. Okay. Squats, they always get me, and weighted squats are the best. I feel if you are just starting out, it's a good idea to get your form down in regards to your squat instead of adding weight instantly because... Like, you can injure yourself pretty easily, I feel, doing basically any exercise, really. But with a squat, if you have bad form, you can really put too much pressure on your knees. And if you have weight added on top of your own body weight, that just adds more pressure. So squats, lunges, deadlifts are a big one that I add in there. And farmer's carry which is an exercise that you just hold a weight on one side, so a dumbbell, and then you just walk. But you try to keep your upper body as in line as possible without the weight dipping you to the one side, and then you just walk back and forth. Gotcha. I tend to do those quite a bit too because they're also a really good exercise for grip strength. If you're using enough weight, it's a good one for posture and legs and shoulders. It's a really good kind of all-around one. And I mean, you can effectively do it with a five-gallon pail if you don't have any workout equipment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I find too is grip strength seems to go probably in that second set halfway through your amount of steps that you're wanting to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So your goals, you said, are typically aesthetic-based and then also athletic-based. And I said that my goals are 
typically kind of more along the endurance sort of road. What do you find helps you make a plan when it comes to trying to achieve those goals? Do you think there's a big difference in the number of days you're working out or the number of times per day you're working out when your goals are what they are now versus what they've been previously? Or talk a little bit about that. So when it comes to goals and achieving them no matter what goal that you have you have to be as specific as possible in regards to them so knowing exactly what body parts you're wanting to work on so with me in volleyball i need to have explosiveness so that means i need to work on like squats but when i do my squats i have to do explosive squats so almost acting like I'm jumping on the upwards motion without actually jumping, but just having that explosiveness helps me build that in my legs for jumping power to move in the volleyball. So having in mind exactly what you're wanting to accomplish and aesthetically you're wanting to lean down, that's going to be a different plan and different workout structures. You might not be doing as heavy as lifts as you could be if you're wanting to build up like muscle and strength. And for you, the same kind of thing, you're wanting to build up endurance. So those are all things that I think about. And for me, my plan is basically lift heavy and just try not to pass out where I have an upper body, lower body, upper body, and then kind of just a cardio abs type workout as well that I tack on most times on the weekends just because it's a bit quicker and I can go through it. And then I have a habit of wanting to work out every single day. And I can do that now because I have plenty of time that I can recover. So what I've been doing is a upper body cardio and then the next day I'll just throw in like uh, as many reps as possible or as many sets as possible workout which that could be upper body that could be lower body that could be everything kind of mixed in but that's how I've been building things right now is I train strength training once a day and then I do cardio once a day every single day and the reason that I do that is because I do have enough time to recover later on and I'm not playing sports right now so I can add in that cardio now where before I couldn't do that because I was playing badminton or volleyball three days a week so gotcha so previously that sport would have filled in for your cardio essentially right yeah yeah exactly okay so I also always try and plan to work out every day like when I make a workout schedule so I made one when I was about six weeks out from my race that I have coming up in mid-July and when I designed it I knew that the first thing I did was I put in days that I knew I was not going to get any workout done. And on this kind of stretch, it wasn't too bad. That was only about four days total out of those six weeks. So I immediately just blocked those ones out. I knew that, you know, I, I was having company over or attending an event. One of them is a travel day. So I just know that nothing is really going to happen that day. And I don't need to end up feeling guilty during that event that I'm not getting a workout in. So I just block out those days. And I know right off the bat that those are days that I can't count on. So I have to kind of lean a little bit more on all the other days that I do have some time. And then from there, I kind of planned what my seven days of the week looks like. Like I said, I'm training for a longer Spartan race this time around. So it's 20 plus kilometers. So a lot of focus on running for me. And essentially what that looks like is I have one medium length trail run a week, one long run just on like pavement or concrete or whatever i have one day of stairs and one day of hills one day of just a light run like a five kilometer on pavement nice and easy and then a couple workouts in there too which will typically be kit style workouts with a lot of focus on body weight grip strength that sort of thing in spartan races when you fail an obstacle you do burpees for penalties so burpees are definitely in there because you're always going to have to do those. So so yeah, that's kind of how I planned mine. And what I did is I knew that those were the workouts or the exercises I wanted to achieve during that week. 
And then I looked at slotting those in in a way that made sense. So taking into account my work schedule, taking into account my social schedule, and then also making sure that I didn't have, you know, like a seven kilometer trail run on Monday and then a 13 kilometer road run on Tuesday and then a five kilometer run on Wednesday, that sort of thing. Like I did want to space those out so that I'm not running on sore muscles and that sort of thing. Yeah, and it's good that you brought that up because you have to think about how many days you can realistically train in a week and also how much time you can spend on your training because you're a busy guy everybody's busy and has a lot of stuff to do in their days. So if you're thinking that, oh, I'm going to train two hours every single day when really you only have enough space to work out for 30 minutes every couple of days, then knowing exactly what you're going to do in those 30 minutes or what you could do in those two hours, but just thinking about it a bit more smart And I like how you added in times where you know you're not going to be around or you have a travel day or you have an event or whatever the case is. So you're not training that day. So maybe the day that you can train, so either the day before or the day after or whatever the case is, you add in maybe something extra. So an extra exercise just to bump up and kind of make up for that previous day. Yeah, exactly. And I mean... Like you said, too, I'm training for a 20-kilometer event, so that means that I have some runs on here that are 15 kilometers or whatever. That That's a substantial time commitment. I mean, so I have to plan that accordingly. A 15-kilometer run, you know, by the time I get ready, so like 15 minutes of getting ready or whatever, getting my water, doing my stretches, and then doing that run, and then maybe a 15-minute cool down, walk home, whatever. Like, that's a two-hour commitment. I can't slot that in every day into my week. So I have to be pretty smart about where I place those in my weeks. And it's usually on days when I know I'm home from work at a good time and I have nothing else going on that night because there's a lot of other days that I have something just really quick, like you said, like a half an hour workout or maybe a 20 minute hit style where I can just go really hard for a short amount of time and really have a compact workout because there's just no time otherwise. Like, it's great to be optimistic in how much you're going to get done, but I've made that mistake before, and you end up just feeling like you're letting yourself down day after day, and that's not a great feeling. It's a lot better to, I think, undershoot what you can do or be a lot more realistic about it, and then be able to check off those days day after day, be like, yes, I completed that. Because there's a, a lot of psychological benefit to, I think, being able to cross something off and knowing it's completed rather than just leaving it there as like, oh, that's another thing I didn't get done. Well, and I think if you only have 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know that you have that amount of time, but you're going to work really hard to get that like sweat or to feel like you actually accomplished something in that amount of time, that maybe if you did that hour or two hour workout that you didn't really have time for, you might in that point be like, oh, I'm going to cut back on this set. Oh, I'm going to cut out this. Oh, I'm going to do this. Or oh, I'm going to take a little longer rest period because I have more time anyways to do that kind of stuff. And going back, I want to make a comment on you actually do stretches. I am converted to stretching and warming up. Yeah, because I I remember a comment you made to me before when I stretched (laughs) before I ran was, oh, do you think a cheetah stretches before (laughs) they go for the attack? And I was like, what? (laughs) The... The irony of that is, like, if you ever watch a cat, they're basically stretching all the time. That's, like, 80% of their life is stretching. <laughs> I, yeah, I have cats. You have a cat. And, like, yeah. every time that they get up, they're stretching. And, like, don't get me wrong. If they need to run away, they can do it. But they're stretching a lot. They're also generally... I, I'm no cheetah, let's be honest. Like, I have a mostly sedentary job. My job isn't catching food to feed my family. So... Uh, <laughs> I'm no cheetah. I am a convert to stretching and doing a proper warm-up. Also, it's one of those things, as I got a bit older, my joints start to really let me know. I can't just hop out of the house and go do a 5K run and expect my knees to feel great at the end of it. So I do a nice proper warm-up. I probably spend 15 minutes working through 
I generally do it from the bottom up. So I do some ankle stretches, especially important when I'm doing trail running because you can turn an ankle really easily. And the more loose and stretched out those are, the better you are as far as avoiding injuries. So yeah, I start at the bottom up. I do ankles, then I do knees, do some hip stuff and just make sure that I'm in really good shape, muscles and joints. And if I'm doing like before a race, where I know I'm going to have a full body sort of situation going on, I will do, yeah, like nose to toes sort of thing, make sure I'm working through every joint and every big muscle group and making sure it's loose and limber and ready for some abuse. Because, yeah, you can really hurt yourself, and that that really puts a wrench in your training schedule. Yeah, and... So I said that because warming up is super important and I didn't want to warm up before. I thought it was a waste of time, that it took too much time, I just wanted to get in my workout and I could just lift lighter weights. So if I was doing a bench press to begin with, I would just do half the weight for six to eight reps and then I'd build up from there for my set. So do half the weight, then do like 75% and then do 90% and do different rep schemes. So I'd usually do a, what was it? Like a eight, five and a three. And then I'd go into my sets to begin with after that. I got converted as well, I guess you could say, when I had a personal trainer because warming up is not only to get your body ready and to prevent injury, but I also find that you kind of get in the mental aspect of things as well because I always have music on and honestly when I do my warm-ups I usually put on a podcast or a audiobook just to get my mind onto something different than what happened during the day it helps me reset so no matter what happened that day in my warm-up I have something else in my head at that time and I'm just going through the motions, getting my body loose and ready to go. And then by the time the workout comes, I switch to that music and I'm ready to go at that point, mentally and physically, I find. I think that's a a really good way to look at it, like getting mentally warmed up as well as physically warmed up. Because I was definitely the same way, feeling like warming up is such a waste of time. And I used to walk down to the track I run at and I was like, oh, I walked. That's a warm up, right? Like I'm good. So it's, I'm doing the same motion. I'm just doing it slower, like the same your bench press, like half reps type thing. But the other thing I really had a problem with and the time that I converted over to actually doing a proper warm-up was also working with a trainer at an obstacle course racing specific class I took. And I realized that a lot of my objection to doing proper warm-up and stretches was that I didn't know how to properly do it. And so when you don't know how to properly do a stretch and you're not feeling a stretch, it feels like you're not doing anything. And it feels like this is a useless waste of time. So having someone walk me through what I was doing and why I was doing it was really beneficial for me. Probably not just from a physical standpoint, but also from a mental standpoint. Having someone that I knew was a professional telling me exactly what I was supposed to be doing and why I was supposed to be doing it, what muscle groups or joints I was stretching or preparing for what I was about to do, that made a big difference for me. And then being able to analyze like, okay, you should be feeling this stretch in this muscle group. And if you're not, here's what you're doing wrong. Make this adjustment, whatever. So that was one thing that I really found beneficial working with a professional is showing me just how to do things properly. And once I discovered that and knew where I should be feeling each stretch, I was a lot more receptive to doing those stretches and those warm-ups because I could feel it working and I knew that it was having a positive benefit and stretching out sore muscles or tight muscles and and that sort of thing. Yeah, and I can agree with that because even with me, I've always played sports and been quite active, sort of. Uh, There was a period where I stopped being super active, but I found that when I got a personal trainer and I sent a video of my warm-up, he talked to me about certain cues that I need to follow. And by cues, I mean like, oh, if you're not feeling it here, do this with your like shoulders, like roll them back or 
or do this with your arms or bend your hips first and then yeah so different cues like that that you can pay attention to with how things feel and then you just move a certain body part so your hips your knees your arms whatever the case is and then you actually feel that stretch at that point and that's something that by yourself you can't watch a video and really get that out of it even if somebody says in the video like oh you need to do this first and you need to do that if you do it yourself after and you're like okay i'm doing this but they didn't say exactly how it should feel or what you should be looking for, then you could still not be feeling the right muscles and the right stretch because somebody's not looking at how you're specifically doing it. Where if you have somebody who's a personal trainer or an expert in that area, they're actually looking at what you're doing and talking to you about, oh, how does that feel for you? And you're like, uh, well, I'm feeling it here. And they're like, oh, okay, you need to do this. And then, then you really feel it where you're supposed to. And you're like, holy crap, okay, that's good. I like that. Yeah, it makes a big difference for sure. So when it comes to doing exercises and making a plan, do you tend to fill a workout with exercises you like doing or exercises you don't like doing? I know that seems like it should be an easy answer, but I ask because typically exercises I like doing are ones that are not necessarily effective. I tend to like them because they're easy and they're not something that just destroys me physically. Whereas I know that the exercises I hate doing the most, something like burpees or squats, are probably the most effective ones. So how do you go about making a plan either for yourself or for a client with those sort of exercises in mind? Do you tend to fill it with things you like or things that are effective? I do a mix. So I don't think there is any exercise that, well, I can't say that. There's exercises that aren't effective, but I feel that... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I feel that I like to put in a mix of exercises that are very effective, but then exercises that are effective, but that you're going to enjoy doing because of the result that you're going to see afterward. So an exercise that I don't like doing, I guess would be pull-ups, just because they're a lot of work. Yeah. (laughs) And... If you're trying to do like full pull-ups, non-assisted, and if you have a rep range that you're wanting to reach, and you can't reach that unless you have an assisted, that can make you not want to continue doing those things. So an exercise that I add in with the pull-ups later on in the workout is single arm dumbbell row. I love that exercise, and I don't really know why because it's a pulling motion, So it'll help with my pull-ups, but yeah, I try to add in exercises that are effective, and then I also like to add in exercises that people actually enjoy, or that I enjoy, and I tack them in, I guess, at the, I don't know, at the right spot, but at certain spots to make sure that you're not just getting drains from doing bench press, and curls, and pull-ups, and lat pull-downs, or anything like that exercises that take a lot of work to do but also like if you like doing a bench press you're probably going to be doing a flat bench press plus a incline bench press in the same workout because if you like doing that then yeah let's go for it at that point because you're going to be stoked to have that at the beginning of your workout and then Let's say you don't like doing things like uh, like a farmer's carry or any type of row movement, so a barbell row or a dumbbell row. I'm going to tack that on later on. You're still going to do those, and you're going to do them very effectively because you got that pump from the beginning doing your bench press, right? So... I try to just sprinkle things in here and there. And that's something that uh, my personal trainer talked to me about before was he actually asked me, what kind of exercises do you like? And so I told him and I gave this list of probably 10 exercises. And then in my next programming, they were just 
sprinkled in here and there throughout my workout days. And sometimes they're in the beginning, sometimes they're in middle, sometimes they're at end. But I found that even if I did something that like on a leg day where I did something where I was like, oh man, I hate leg day. But then I saw this specific exercise for leg day, I would get stoked for it because I'm like, holy crap, okay, I just got to get through these few exercises, then I get to this. Gotcha. Yeah. I think it's important to sprinkle in things that you like. I've done this one workout in a class and they call it the Chrissy and it's just alternating between two different workouts and it's probably one of the most demoralizing things I've ever done. You go back and forth between tuck jump burpees and kettlebell swings and it's just back and forth numbers so that your total makes 50. So you start out with like 25 tuck jump burpees and then 25 kettlebell swings. And you go down to 20 burpees and 30 swings so that you're doing 50 total movements. And it's just the most crushing thing because you're going from one thing you hate to another thing you hate. But just the fact that you're alternating a little bit makes it slightly more manageable than just sitting there and doing, you know, like a hundred tuck jump burpees in a row or something like that. So that's interesting you talking about pull-ups. I think a lot of people hate pull-ups and I think a lot of the reason is because people maybe go to do one and realize that they're not going to be able to bang out like five right off the bat. It's like if you can get one, you are doing better than I think most people. Like if you can get one full unassisted in good form, that's impressive. And I think that's super demoralizing to a lot of people knowing that your number is so low and you are maybe going to struggle to complete just one of these perfectly to completion. And I've struggled with that too. I've made really ambitious workout plans for myself and it's like, okay, and I'll just go out and I'll just do 10 pull-ups. And you realize like that is going to be not 10 in a row pull-ups. That is going to be, you do one, all right, take a break for 30 seconds And then you do another one, and that wasn't as good as the first one. And you take a break, and you do, and it's like all of a sudden that turns, it's not a a hit style anything. It's all of a sudden like a half an hour process to get those 10 pull ups in. Yeah, I was about to say, you do one, you take a five minute break, (laughs) your whole body totally recovered. Then you go back, and then you pump one out, then you take a five minute break. 45 minutes later, you're like, all right, that was a great workout, me. Yeah. uh, Let's call it a day got, and get that post-workout meal in me. <laughs> I got one exercise done <laughs> for one rep. <laughs> yeah, but I really like what you said about finding those alternate workouts you can do that help strengthen you up so that you can then do that one with good form, a complete unassisted. I think that's a lot better way to approach it than just hanging from the bar and being like, all right, this is the time. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Well, and I think a lot of that comes from, because you see fitness people like in videos and all over the place where they're hammering out pull-ups and they're doing like 15, 20 pull-ups and you're like, oh, wow, okay. That must be not that hard then. (laughs) Well, or like sometimes they do more and you're like, oh man, I'm going to do this. You got to remember that they have been doing certain workouts for a certain period of time and pull-ups maybe wasn't even like, maybe they started the same way where they could do like one to five pull-ups unassisted. And then after that, they just couldn't do it anymore and they needed a break from it, right? Yeah, absolutely. But adding in workouts that are going to help you strengthen to those movements is a good idea, but also doing the easier versions of those right right yeah so for a pull-up easier version would be an assisted pull-up so you can grab a chair put it underneath the bar and bend your knees a bit and then just do the motion and only use your legs as much as you need them and then go down in the movement and then just kind of repeat that and just try not to use your legs as much as possible or you could do a negative pull-up which is going to the top motion so you jump up to the top and then you lower yourself down slowly and then just repeat that jump up again lower yourself down slowly so doing substitutions or the easier versions of those is going to help you build up into that and it might take like a month or two where you're doing that but once it switches over and it switches quickly and what i mean by that is you might be doing assisted pull-ups for 
a month straight and you have that in mind already where you're like no I'm just gonna do assisted and I'm gonna do how many ever reps I can do and then take my break and do three sets or whatever the case is but after that month you go to it and you're like oh man I hope I can get one you're probably gonna hammer out like five or more yeah exactly well and that's like you said too about like squats and lunges getting your body weight squat or lunge in good form first before then moving on to doing like a weighted sort of thing. I think that's a really good tip. Like there's no point going to the squat rack and loading up a bar with a couple hundred pounds and trying to do that first when it's, you know, a lot easier and a lot safer just to work on doing a body weight one and getting really good form and getting that motion down because that's a lot of it too is just getting familiar with that motion. There's a lot of exercises and workouts that are generally kind of unfamiliar movements for a lot of people and getting familiar with that in a safe environment is a lot better way to start than just loading up the bar super heavy and going for it yeah and always i tell people if you're doing push-ups like i love putting push-ups in the program because most people it's like a pull-up like a lot of people think oh i'm gonna do a push-up and they think that they're gonna do a regular push-up for 10 15 20 reps whatever i put in their programming it's a pretty humbling experience because they try to do one and they're like they do it and then they go up and they're like holy like your whole body almost cracks at that point because that's not a movement that you're doing day in day out and it's very humbling because a lot of times people get through like five or whatever the case is or maybe they do the first set perfectly fine and then they get into the second set and you can tell when somebody's slowing down on them because their form breaks in it and their movement slows down and at that point i just tell them it's okay to go on your knees and do knee push-ups. Don't think that you need to continually get through the push-ups. Like, yes, you want to be able to do that at one point. But to start out with, like, let's just do knee push-ups, start with that, and then we'll build from there. There's nothing wrong with doing an easier form of the exercise as long as you're trying to test yourself each time, right? So I always tell people, start out with regular push-ups and go through how many ever you can do. And then once your arms are feeling it and your forearms breaking on that, okay, then move to the knee push-ups. And the same with a pull-up, right? If you can do like one, three, five, how many ever pull-ups, do as many as you can. And then when your form breaks or you're not able to do that as well anymore, because your arms are sore, then switch to like an assisted or do negatives at that point. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So now as far as type of workout, we mentioned HIT style, which is high impact interval training. And then also you said sometimes you do more of like a strength based workout where you're doing heavier weights on like your bench press or your deadlift and and that sort of thing what do you tend to prefer and do you think there's a better option for different sort of outcomes or different sort of desired results yeah so i think any form of exercise is better than no exercise at all yeah (laughs) that anything's better than a day on the couch that's what i always tell myself if i have a bad run (laughs) yeah yeah but that's that's it's very true though right so if you go for a walk which is low intensity, steady state, that's perfectly fine. Go and do that. If you do that every day or every second day or once a week or whatever, but you love doing that, go and do that. That's fine. And if you're perfectly fine doing HIIT workouts, then do a HIIT workout. They're very quick. They're very effective. They're going to build endurance. That's probably why you do them, right? Because you're feeling it after, not just in your muscles, but you're breathing pretty heavy yeah it's a really it's rewarding in the sense that you can break a sweat if you only have five or ten or fifteen minutes like Mm -hmm. you feel it afterwards you know even if you don't see results on your body immediately you can feel those results pretty quickly and it's great if you're kind of crunched for time i get home from work pretty late so i have some days like on thursdays it's a day where i'm not home until nine o'clock at the earliest and so that's a day where i have planned to do that hit workout in the evening because it, i know it's going to be one of those nights where it's midnight before i know it but that only takes 15 minutes i do and i guess maybe we should explain a little bit 
what's involved in a hit style workout, but it's essentially just a lot of workouts back to back with minimal rest in them. Like, is, is there any more you would add to that or not really? Like it's, that, that's, that's pretty much the gist of it, right? So, so it's, it's something that's, so it's high intensity interval training. So with that, normally what I do for that setup would be doing 20 seconds worth of work or 40 seconds worth of work and then do like a 20 second rest or a 30 second rest, whatever the case is at that point. But I'll add movements that are kind of flow into each other. So if I do mountain climbers, then I'll move it to bicycle kicks. Then I'll move that to like dead bugs. Then I'll move that to a plank and just movements that you can do in a very small space as well but that you can do very quickly, right? And switch to very quickly. And some of my clients, like they'll tell you that some of them really suck to do because <laughs> it, they're feeling it after, right? And they're, I can tell that when they're going through it, I'm because I'm counting down the time, I'm like five, four, three, two, one, rest. And as soon as they hit that rest, they're just laying there. And I was like... <laughs> Okay, and then I count down from 10 and I started out where I just counted from five, but I've moved to sometimes I'll be, hey, you have 20 seconds left out of your 40 seconds because I can just tell that they're getting drained from it and not drained in the sense of like, oh crap, like I just don't want to do this ever. It almost feels like forever when you're doing that kind of stuff. Holy, how much time do I have left? You look and you're like, oh, 30 seconds left of doing this. Oh, wow. Okay. Am I ever <laughs> going to get through this? And you look back, it's 25 seconds. You're like, oh, it felt like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but... I count, I do the countdown so that they know, okay, you have five seconds left where you can push it as hard as possible right now. So let's do that. But they also know that that exercise is almost done and then they can take a break from it. So it's, yeah, high intensity. So as I said, I try to make things flow very easily for people instead of doing a movement that you need to be on the floor, then you need to stand up, then you're back on the floor, then you got to stand up and going back and forth which you can do that but I don't think you need to because that's just more motions that you're doing that might impact your mindset going into that workout gotcha and also kind of staying away from workouts that take specialized equipment or a lot of setup or anything like that but yeah I, I definitely do the same thing like movements that flow into one another I have my workout that I've been doing lately is it's like push-ups into plank, into burpees, which is all essentially the same kind of thing. I throw in some jumping jacks in there just for something to kind of keep heart rate up. And for in obstacle course racing, a lot of what they tell you is the run is your cool down. So you're doing a lot of obstacles, which are essentially like mini workouts, each one of them. And then you're running in between obstacles and if you get to the point that you're treating that cardio as your cooldown, like that's your break, that's what I try and do in my exercises is have something that is very obviously a cardio style workout that is in the middle of my set that I treat as my break. The other thing I like about hit style is that you can set relatively low rep numbers or like you said, just set a time, like you're doing this as many times as you can in 30 seconds or whatever. And then it's just a matter of how many times you can get through that whole workout or that superset in your allotted time. And I really like that because it does give you some flexibility based on how you're feeling that night. If you plan it that one superset is an okay workout. Like you said, it's better than sitting on the couch, better than doing nothing. But if you're feeling pretty good that night and you have a bit of extra time and you get through it three times or four times, that's a really good feeling too. And it's a lot easier to do four rounds of like 10 push-ups and then 20 burpees and then, you know, a 30-second plank and then going through than it is to be like, all right, I'm going to do a two-minute plank and then I'm going to do... 40 burpees and then I'm gonna do 60 push-ups like it just kind of breaks it down a little bit easier in your mind I find as well yeah and a two-minute plank <laughs> oh, God. yeah <laughs> let's be real if you could do a two-minute plank um come show me <laughs> but I like doing hit workouts I like adding them into programs just because 
you get a lot of benefit from not a lot of time that you're spending in it. And it, the type of training just depends on the goals. For you, you're trying to build up your endurance, your grip strength, that kind of stuff. So I would program your training different than some of my current clients who are wanting to either just be healthier, just get back into training, being more consistent, wanting to find exercises that get them into the gym or their home gym and working out, right? That new exercises that excite them. There's things that you have to think about when you're setting up a training schedule and what type of training you do. And most of that just comes from your goals. And you can do a Google search pretty quickly to figure out, oh, I want to build my aesthetics. So I want to be super muscular and get a six pack and all of that and you can search online and let me tell you you're gonna see i don't know a billion pages worth yeah <laughs> and how do i get a six pack yeah you'll probably even find like a wiki answers like a five step animated little thing on how to get there <laughs> yeah and if it starts to if a lot of times what i say is if that stuff is just talking about oh do these exercises and you'll get a six pack let's have a conversation after that well that's why everyone has six packs right <laughs> yeah. But the same goes if you're wanting to build like endurance or your jumping power, that kind of stuff. You can search online and you can find a lot of that stuff, which can be difficult anyways, because there's so much information out there. And sometimes it's not the same information. If everybody gave the same information and the same exercises and everything, we wouldn't be so confused about things. But the fact is, is that everybody's different and everybody responds differently to things. Like for me personally, my body responds very well to doing fasted workouts, but also doing like HIIT workouts. I get a lot of benefit from doing the high intensity workouts. And yes, I build muscle and everything from my strength training, but the longer my workouts are, the more tired I feel. And not just, not like body tired, mind tired. I'm almost falling asleep sometimes if I have that later workout, where if I'm doing a high intensity one instead of a strength training one, I am very awake, very alert, because everything's just hitting me very quickly, where if you're doing a strength training, you're resting longer, your actual exercise isn't taking that long for the amount of rest that you're taking. It's just you want your body to recover. So another thing you have to think about is how much time you have, because if you have 15 minutes, more than likely you're doing a HIIT workout. If you have 45 minutes to an hour, then you can do some strength training. And that doesn't mean that you can't do strength moves in shorter amount of time. It's just you're going to be doing it differently. Like at that point, I usually set up something called as many sets as possible or as many reps as possible okay. where you just have two, three exercises that you're doing. You set a timer for 15, 20 minutes and you just do those sets back and forth. So it's doing the one exercise, then you go into the next exercise. Then if you're feeling okay, you go into the first exercise, do the second, and you only rest when you need to, but you get through those two exercises back to back, and then you take the rest after that second one if you need to, and just going through as much as possible, which it's sort of a hit, but it's still a strength training because you have weighted movements. Right. And I think it's important to keep in mind what you have available for equipment and like you said, space and time. Those are three pretty important factors that are going to determine what you're able to do. But kind of going back to our motivation podcast, I think it's important to look at that too. I know that I am just not motivated by the aesthetics aspect. I probably should be. Uh, I'm not. It's like, oh yeah, if I could just look really good. I, no, I, if I could, you know, if I was motivated by that, I would have done it by now, I think. But I found that what motivates me is planning a race, booking my time and my ticket and everything like that, and knowing that I'm going to fall behind my team. If I don't train appropriately, I am going to feel awful during this race if I'm not in good shape for it. So that's what I found motivates me on that one, and that's what helps me stick to my plan. Because if it's just about looking good or just about having better health, that personally doesn't motivate me as much as the fear of embarrassing myself out on the course. So I think it's important to about not just setting realistic goals, but finding that motivating factor for you and 
tailoring that plan to those motivations. Yeah, and something that I thought about is for my motivation, not allowing other people's thought processes or what they think you should look like, because that'll happen sometime. Because even for me, aesthetics is something that I should probably be thinking of. And I sort of do, right? But for me right now, I just want to be able to build muscle and strength. I'm not as worried about that six pack at this moment. And maybe I should be because I am in the fitness space and all of that. But even for me, it's like I used to only be able to lift the bar for a bench press. And that's something that stuck with me since I started going to a gym and lifting. And now that I can lift more, I just continually want to do that. And that's now that I have the time and I guess the experience that I can really take that. I'm not so worried about like a six pack and things like that. I'm worried about fueling my body and my muscles to make sure that I can keep lifting heavier and heavier all the time. I do have a wedding to get prepped for coming up and I have like a month to get that done. So I'm basically getting in the mode now to lean down a bit. But that's something that I thought about before was other people's thoughts in regards to me in the fitness space and what my body looks like and what that compares to in regards to my goals. Because my goals are, I just want to lift. I just want to feel good and be able to like play sports and things like that. And I can do all of that stuff where I am right now. And I'm consistently getting stronger day after day. So a six pack to me isn't that big of a deal, but I know that that thought has crept up in my mind. So also for your motivations, make sure that they're your motivations and they're not influenced by outside sources because at the end of the day, you're the one that has to be happy with the training that you do, the food that you eat, like the life that you're living. So just make sure that your motivation is actually your motivation and your goals are your goals, not based off what other people are telling you or what you're seeing out there. Because they have to be realistic and you have to be happy at the end of the day. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. All right. So I think we touched on a lot of really good topics today, specifically about making a realistic workout plan, knowing how many days you're going to be able to commit to working out, knowing what days you're absolutely not going to be able to, and just not feeling guilty about that, kind of planning for it right off the bat, knowing how much you're going to get done in a week and how much time you have in an individual day, knowing what equipment and space you have available to you. And I think the most important part is making sure your motivations are your own and that your goals are in line with that. I mean, if you want to bulk up and get really strong and muscular, don't plan five days a week of cardio. That just doesn't really match up. And make sure that, yeah, your workouts and your plan are tailored towards what you're trying to achieve for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And just make sure that whatever you're doing, adding exercises that you like doing, don't do workouts purely just to do workouts do them to enjoy them right and even if it doesn't start out that way find a way that you keep coming back and what i find that helps me come back is the results that i see and i don't compare myself to anybody else like i don't compare myself to ty in running because i'm not training for running right now and he could probably destroy me quite easily and and then yeah we move into the bench press and it's like oh (laughs) yeah I compare myself week after week to myself and I write down exactly how many reps I did what weight I used so that I can see that week after week and I'm competing with myself so do the same because if you're trying to compete against somebody else like if you have a lifting buddy and you guys are trying to compete against each other cool competition is a great thing but If they're at a point where maybe they're lifting 20 pounds, 30 pounds heavier, don't go to that range if you're not able to reach that instantly because that's just unsafe. Just compare yourself to yourself week after week and try to always grow from there. Yeah, I think it's always important to have a clear idea what your starting point is because it's really easy 
to get focused on like hitting a specific goal and not being able to reach it and feeling really down on yourself, but not looking back and realizing like, oh, but you know, sure you're 10 pounds short of your lifting goal or, you know, 30 seconds short of your time goal for running or whatever, but take a look back and realize where you started. Like chances are good. You'll have come a long ways. And it's, I think always important to document what you're doing and having that starting weight or that starting time or whatever it is your your number of reps that you started with just keep note of that so you can see when you get to an actual point where you're pretty impressive you can remind yourself that you've done really well yeah yeah exactly like if you go from lifting a bar to lifting your own body weight yeah that's that's a huge difference and no matter how much time that takes like that's still a lot of weight that you're moving from where you started so just realistic goals and challenge yourself week after week and i think one thing that we'd be crazy not to mention that benefited both of us quite a bit is working with a trainer it's maybe not always available for everyone and there's going to be some time and financial constraints in that but i think the benefits go a long ways and are long lasting not just in motivation or seeing results but also in safety and effectiveness one thing I'm a big proponent of is I like my workouts to be effective. I don't want to be that person that spends two hours in a gym every day and has nothing to show for it. I would much rather put in a hard 15 minutes and actually have it be really effective. And one thing I found time after time is working with a trainer has really helped me with that one. Yeah, and even for myself, yes, I am a trainer now, but previously when I wasn't, I worked with a personal trainer and I saw amazing progress in a couple of months that I didn't see for myself. But when I took pictures and looked at the before pictures and then looked at the one month, two month pictures, you can really see things. And if you send those to your trainer, which I did, they go through, do you see this? Do you see that? Do you see here? And they tell you spots to look at and you're like, holy crap, okay. Like, I'm really seeing it now that you tell me that. So even having that as kind of a motivation is huge. And personal training just isn't at a gym anymore. Like, there's so many different avenues. And even if it's like a time thing, the good thing is, is that you have somebody who can create a workout for you that fits your needs. So if you only want to work out at home and you have a couple of kettlebells and maybe a few dumbbells, that's perfectly fine because it's going to be created exactly how you want. So I know for me, I used to work out at a gym when I had my personal trainer and then I moved and I was working out at home and I just sent pictures of all of the equipment that I had. And he just designed the program exactly with whatever I had at my home gym. So it's pretty effective that way. And then you don't have to do any like the thought process in it. So yeah, absolutely. And so just off the top of your head, what would be a great website people could go to to get some information on personal training? Yeah, so my website is www.c2ufitness.com. And that's the C2, so the number two, the letter U, fitness.com. Awesome. With that, we are at the end of the episode for the Connect You podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.